Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, we are ready to begin a whole new life. <laughs> it's one thing to start a new Mishachat, to start a new Seder is like opening a new universe, right? So we begin with our discussion of the opening of the three gates. The first gate, of course, the Baba means literally the first gate. Baba is the middle gate. Baba Batra is the final gate. Why they're called gates and exactly what they're gates to and so on is something we're going to have to get a little bit clearer later on. But one thing is certain, that the elements of Nezikin, we can certainly see the gradual development in which we start off with the direct relationship, which is very primal to the earth. That's Zroy. We move on to relationships, which are also primal, sexual relationships, women, Nashim, I should call it, call the name of the Satan Nashim. And we move on to the construction of society. So basically, Nezikin is really, strangely enough, strange name for Mesechet about society, until you think about it, but we call it Nezikin, and we end up with the real description of the court systems and everything else that's no towards the end of the Mesechet. Surprisingly, we begin the Mesechet with the discussion of courts, of all things. We would think that society would be fundamentally predicated on things that have to do more with Baba Batra issues, you know, garbage collection, zoning laws, and so on. But it's clear from here, we'll see, we'll see why that's true as we, we get deeper into the Seder, it's clear from here that the fundamental structure of society is watching out for number one. And we call this Yeshua's, that's the name of the, remember we dash in the So the idea of the, of the uh, watching out Yeshua'ot, very strange, Rashi says, why do we call him Nezikin Yeshua'ot, which means to be saved. Because if you know Nezikin, you save yourself a lot of money. It's like the most absurd name for the Seder, unless it's giving us an insight into the entire structure of the nature of society. In other words, it's all very nice to say you have rights, but society is based on that balance of making sure that your rights don't get you into trouble. So that that balance is always going to be fundamentally served on the uh, level of competition which underlies the structure of society by watching out that you don't get into trouble with your rights, which is the Yeshua's. And therefore we start with torts. So right away with the most fundamental torts, and the way that the Torah discusses torts is in terms of things that are very common, but that are meant to be understood structurally. In other words, they're meant to be abstracted. And the Mesechta begins with a very, very abstract discussion and it actually forces us to recognize the idea of avot, that, that, that sense of archetype, which is what an av is, that that's a complex idea. It has various applications, depending on the context. And not only that, the context itself may actually define the nature of the sets that each of this av are defining. Halacha, we'll see. But there's different uses of that word. And then it will examine the cases that are given in the Torah as the fundamental torts and show that even though they have very childish names, but that each one of those names is representative of a completely different idea, so that it turns out that a Karen can be done by a shame, and a, a, uh, a shame can, can end up being a regal, and so on and so forth, so that we shouldn't get involved in simple physical ideas. These are abstracted ideas. So let's start, start the way the Gemara itself starts, very, very simplistically, which we always do, as we start with certain simple assumptions, and then we force you to recognize that those assumptions don't make any sense, and we gradually become more sophisticated, 
as we go on through the Mesechta. So we start with the beginning. Unfortunately, we couldn't be completely simple in the Mishnah. And the reason is, remember, that the Mishnah is constructed by Rebbe to be multi-leveled. And sometimes in order to maintain the multi-leveled structure of a Mishnah, you can't be clear, because if you're clear, then you need to limit it to one definition or another. Rebbe doesn't like doing that, because that's the whole point of the Mishnah. Keep it to Rashi and make sure that it's not understandable as given, unless you break your head over it. In this case, where you're talking about torts, the language itself is very, very unclear, because we leave the Mishnah open to multiple interpretations, that each one of which reads the Mishnah as if it comes from a different universe, as we'll see. So that we're going to be using words that the Gemara doesn't define right up front. We're going to keep it slow. It turns out to be machloket, how to understand even what things we're talking about. And then it gets clearer. So let's start again simply. Arba'a avot nezikin. The four avot nezikin are, what exactly nezikin means, by the way, is strange, because you think it would say mazikin. If we're talking about the agents that cause damage, then they are mazikin, not nezikin. There's a lot of discussion in the Rishonim, about the idea of referring to the damage, the nature of damage, instead of the damager, what would that imply? And there's even some Rishonim, including the Rush, that says that we often find that we use Hebrew as it's used in the Yerushalmi, in the Mishnah. It's a Haitana Yerushalmi here we find. And in Yerushalmi, you have the, the same Russian, say, somebody who does Chesed, is called what? Chesed. Somebody who does Nezet, is called Again, by the same thing. So he's a nazik, not a mazik. Right? <laughs> so that's the, that's the way that they, they, they structured the grammar. So that nazikin would be the equivalent of our modern Hebrew mazikin. So, okay, but in any event, these are things that come clear later on. So hashor, now what exactly that means? I mean, it sounds like if your animal, which happens to be an ox, does damage, then that's one class of damage, which of course is absurd. But again, let's take it, let's take it at face value for a moment. Habor. Those are the guys that come late for Dafyomi and cause everybody to fall in and get damaged. Oh, hi, Rich. <laughs> so Habor, again, sounds like a hole in the ground, and that's a particular type of damage, a hole in the ground, which, again, is rather childish. Hamav'e, it doesn't even make, that, that word isn't clear what exactly Hamav'e is, but uh, the Gemara is going to discuss it. Ve'ahever, ever means something about fire, to be mav'ir, to burn something. So, lo are ashor kare And lo are Now, about the one that makes it impossible to learn the other one out. So, had the Torah written shor, I can't learn out mava from it. And that's why I need to read both of them. By the way, I'm sure you're wondering about why this order is shor, bor, mava, and ever. And then when we go to discuss it, it becomes shor, kare and we skip bar. So Rashi says that the initial line, the Shor Bor Mavavahever, is based on the Pusik, the way in which these Mazikim are introduced in the Pusik, whereas the second line is speaking about the abstraction. Even that's not clear, because we don't know exactly what these things are. And the truth is that it doesn't actually match up with the Pusik if you read the Mishnah meaning in certain ways. So to make things easy, to make things easy, let's assume one of the approaches in the Mishnah, Okay. So we'll talk about the shor as if it's a reference to karen, which means goring. And we'll talk about the mav'eh as if it's a reference to shame, which eats. We'll see why we would make that. <coughs> so that would mean that given shor, I wouldn't be able to know the, the shame from it. And we'll take some examples just to give a sense of the difference. 
And then we're going to go into the detail in the Gemara. So the reason that the Shor, assuming that Shor means Karen, and that's the first thing that comes up, Yigak Shor, Shor is, Shor Eyo, and so on. So the, the, the idea of a Shor that damages with a Karen means that you've got, and everybody thinks about an ox this way, you know, you take a look, there's an ox in the field, you get out of the way. Why? Because it has intended to damage. It's a dangerous thing. So that it wants to damage. It's not that you're worried about accidentally something stepping on you. You've got some, some real problems over here. So if that's the case, if, if I would be, be given that case, I would so obviously that is innately damaging, you know, but how would I know something that's not innately damaging? How, do, how would I know that that thing is also included in the list of Masikin would have the same chiyuvin? I wouldn't, would I? So therefore I need to write both of them. And on the other, on the other hand, lo hare gare hashar. The other way around, however, is also, I wouldn't be able to learn one out from the other. Again, why? We'll see in the Gemara. Furthermore, given both of these, lo if I have a self-motivated mazik, it's a lie, then I could say, okay, then it could well be that things that are self-motivated are mazikim. But if I have, let's say, a fire that I light in my backyard, it may indeed be able to get out and do damage, but it's certainly not self-motivated. So it's going to need something else there to allow it to spread. It's going to need a wind. It's going to need fuel. So maybe that's not a mazik. So I wouldn't know that either. So th- therefore, I couldn't derive H from it because H in Baruchim. On the other hand, let's say that I was given all of the above. So now I do know the fire and the Karen and the Shane. And so would I know that a bore, which is completely passive, and some idiot's got to walk along and fall into it? I mean, would I know that that too is considered to be a mazik? Maybe somebody should take care of himself if there's a hole in the ground. So therefore, I need to write that separately. So these things can move around, are obviously not like a boar, put them however together and what do you get? These are things that are able to cause damage as a matter of course. And anybody who looks at this says, whoops, this is dangerous. And it is up to you to take care of it. And the law on all of them is, Kishizi, so the law is that if they do damage, then you pay for the entirety of the damage, and that payment is taken from you either in something that is cash or shavakesev that is move, movable around and I can cash it somewhere, anywhere. But if I insist, or if I don't have anything else, and it's my property that's being used, and if you're paying property, it has to be the highest quality property. Not that there's a difference between high quality and low quality in terms of the value, obviously, because I'll just give you more low quality. But you have to pay the highest quality because that's the easiest to move. And so a person would rather get an easy-to-move property than get his money in property that's going to be hard to dump, even though it's worth the same amount of money. Says the Gemara, the first thing I want to understand is the use of the word avot. What does that mean? You're saying avot. Now, that, that immediately tells me. I mean, you can't have a list. You can't have an outline that only has your first layer, but none of them have any secondary information. I mean, you don't call this, you don't call this heading one and heading two if there's nothing under the heading. So you can only call something an av if it's representative of a set. 
that has got to be told of. The language, an av and tolda, is a little bit confusing because certainly biologically, an av and a tolda, the tolda means a derivative of the av, correct? Now, how much is this metaphor meant to be an abstraction of that idea? Because, I mean, you might use av as a purely abstract idea in which it means a category that represents a set. But the actual toldot don't relate to the av in any way other than the way we want to refer to them. And the truth is, I could bring you examples of both uses of the words av and tolda in different places, but it makes a tremendous difference. Because if it's a derivative, then what often happens in a derivative is that there is an attenuation over the course of the number of times in which something is derived. So I can go from one, which is very strong, that's the av, and then there's an attenuation in the tolda, which can cause differences in the halakha. means weaken. It's gotten, it's gotten weaker. If it's just the idea of being the name of a category, so then you know, why should there be any attenuation? So then the dinim would be exactly the same. Now, I'm going to show you that this word is used in both ways. So, I'd like to know, this idea of the tolda, which could mean either the derivative in an abstract sense, or actually secondary to. Is it kayotzebe? Does that mean that the tolda is just like the av, it's just that the av is the way in which we define the set? Or is the tolda, in fact, different than the av? And it's somehow derived from the av, and therefore would be lav kayotzebe. The din of that tolda would be different than the din of the av. And I'm going to show you that we use it in both ways. Take a look at Shabbat. So when it comes to defining the nature of a melacha on Shabbat, so Gabi Shabbat not. Avot melachot arba'im chaserachat, you have 39 categories of melacha there. Now there too, I say, avot, bechlal de'ika toldot, okay? What's the idea? Toldot tehem, when it comes to Shabbat, is 100% kayot seben. They have exactly the same rules. Loshna av chatat, loshna tolda chatat, if the Shabbat is bechulelet b'shogeg, so then you bring a korban chatat. If it's b'mezid, loshna av skila, loshna tolda skila. So then why do we call one an av and one a tolada? What's the difference? My ika ben av le tolada. Well, no, there, there's a difference. Nafkamina, the difference will be. Dilo avid shtei avot v'hariyadari. Let's say you take two of these types. In other words, the question over here is, does it, what sense does it make in having sets? What's the point of a set? I mean, just to make the simple common denominator of all creative acts are considered to be Chilol Shabbos. You're saying that we have sets. Why have sets? So the difference is, let's say you do one member of each set. So you do 39 different acts. Either the Av of the set or a Tolada of each set. That doesn't concern me. But if you do two Avot, and you do them at the same time, or two Toledot from different sets at the same time, or for that matter, an av of one set, a tolada of another set. The din over there is that each one has to be handled separately. It's as if there was a separate chilul Shabbat on each one of these acts. We had a similar idea towards the end of Kedushin. A guy could sleep with two women, both of whom are ushered for the same reason, but because they are two different women, he has two separate chiyuvim, one for each one, because gufim are mechalaik. The body creates a different category of itself. It's a different body. It's a good thing with the pornography market. We go out of business. You know, you've seen one, you've seen them all, right? But it's, it's the goof over there that's important. 
By Chilol Shabbat, it's the same thing. The category is definitive of a different world of Chilol. So you would be chayav on each one of them. But, Yilu Ovid Av V'toladadi Day, let's say that you take two examples of a set. So you take the Av, and then you do a Tolada of that Av. You only chayav one. Because it's as if you did the same thing twice. Doing the same thing twice is just repetitive. There's nothing that takes makes it a separate Chiyav. Obviously, if there was a separate Hatra, we said like by the Nazir and so on. But we're talking about in terms of the act per se, not of the intent. So, Ilu Avid Av V'toladadi Day, Lomachayev Elechoda. But if you would do one member of the set with the Av, the Av would subsume the Tolada. It's all the same thing. So there, the fact that I have a category that subsumes, I understand that is a very good reason to have an Av and a Tolada, and that way we can easily distinguish between the idea of one set or the other. No attenuation. Says, wait a minute, but that's not true even according to everybody. How about according to Rabbi Yezer? Rabbi Yezer is Mechaev told him of Akom Av. He says that the Av does not subsume the Tolada. So we're back to the same question. So that means there's no difference. If you do something within a set, there's no difference in doing two separate things from two sets. So then what's the difference between an Av and Tolada? We're back where we started from. Says the Gemara, well, according to him, indeed, the idea over there is to figure things out. It's only an abstraction. The reason that we call an Av an Av and everything else is seen to be Tolada, it's because the point, according to him, is, is that we do have a reference to what constitutes a Malacha. What is that reference? The fact that the Torah puts together the building of the Mishkan back-to-back back with the din of, but not on Shabbat. Right? That was the first thing that said in Vayakha. So what does that tell us? That the definition of what would be a Chilo Shabbat are those things that are being discussed in the building of the Mishkan. Now, if we take the Mishkan apart, we figure out that there are 39 concrete, separate types of things that needed to be done for the building of the Mishkan. Clearly, those are the things that we're defining in terms of don't do Moloch on Shabbat. That reference now allows us to zero in on the definition of what a Moloch is. And because of that, we need to create 39 sets that allow us, not because it's the difference of the set per se that make, in the end, it's going to all be the same, but the derivation. Oh, how would we know that? And that, according to him, it's a purely abstract idea. You have to give an abstract definition. And the way we do this is we call it an av, and that's the point. So those things that are the givens in the Mishkan, those are the avot. Those things that are not in the Mishkan, that are not considered to be chashim in the Mishkan, those things are called toladot. Is that what we mean here? Or do we mean maybe what we mean by tumah? Gabit tumot tonight. And when it comes to the idea of tumah, over there we have an entirely different concept of an av and tolda, but I mean entirely different. We have what's known... Ah, we have what's known as an av hatumah. And what is an av hatumah? Not the head of a category. An av hatumah refers to a particular level in which is a prime metame. So let's say you would have someone touches a dead body. He now becomes an av hatumah. In terms of what? In terms of the amount of tumah that's within him, so to speak. So if he now touches a human being, or Yisrael, that person now becomes tummy. But that person is not an avatuma. Now there's an attenuation. That person is a tolada because it's a derivative of the initial tuma. So he becomes a rishon. 
A Rishon, if he touches another human being, is not Matame, the human being. But if he touches food, he'll make the food a Shani. So that's going down a level. Now that food is only going to be able to make something Tame, if we're talking about something that has a level of Kodesh, Truma. But otherwise, it doesn't do anything. So again, there we're not talking about categories as much as powers. And that Toledot mean derivations that come from that initial event. So there we have a mission that reads like this. So Gabi Tumotna, Avota Tumat, things which have the power of an Av would be Sheret. So you have now a dead Sheret, because there's only eight of these shrubs, it doesn't mean any, any kind of bug. Hashikhvat Zera, semen itself. Tabe mate, somebody who touches somebody, a dead body. In all of these cases, and there are other cases, but we're not going to go through everything, obviously, we're just trying to get the idea. Toldote and Lavkayotzevim. Clearly, the Tolda is not like the Av in that case, by definition. And that is the point of being an Av, is that an Av is betame Adam Bekelim. So an Av has the power to make another human being tame, or to make a container tame, whereas Toladot can only be metame, Ochlin, or Mashkin, foodstuff, drinks, liquids, and then only the types that are defined in the Torah. And Adam Bekelim lo metame. So now, what the heck does it mean here? Does it mean Tolda and Av? as it would mean in Shabbat, or does it mean tolda to an av, as it would mean in the dinim of Tuma? Mm-hmm. Um, Papa, well, who's to say, says Papa, that it's all black and white? <laughs> we already start getting, getting into complexities. Since the nature of an av and tolada bears two levels of relationships, I tell you, and now you can spend the next couple of days figuring out what I mean. But I tell you, when it comes to Nezikin, now go put that in your pipe and smoke it. So sometimes we'll use the concept of Av and Tolda by Nezikin as a derivative with attenuation, and sometimes we use it as a class. Now I challenge you to figure out what do I mean. So now the Gemara embarks on a journey. Again, the Gemara often does this. It pretends to be looking for a particular solution in the course of which we discover everything we need to know about the entire topic. And in other words, obviously, in order to figure out what Rav Papa means, we're not going to have to go back to the drawing boards, figure out every Aventolda, and see what he could possibly mean, which one could be Kayotzeben, and which one could be Lav Kayotzeben. But meanwhile, you're giving me all the background that I need to understand, Ashor Vabor Vamav, if I ever the law is said, so on and so forth, all within the context of, gee, what do we mean by that word Av? Very, very cute. Okay, so let's begin. In our search for understanding of Papa, we better define the, the avot that are listed in the Mishnah. So let's say the word shor. Now the Brayta points out that the word shor actually includes three completely different things. There's three different types of damages that happen with your little ox. So an ox is not really an ox, you see. An ox is a karen and a shein, and a regal. And each one of those ends up representing completely different abstract ideas of nezek. So we have the horn of the ox, the tooth of the ox, the foot of the ox. Now that all seems, again, childishly simple. I mean, yeah, you know, we've got the tail too, we've got the ears, I mean, we make every one of them. So, so we're going to come now and define what we mean. How do we know? Karen Minolan, how do we know that Karen is included in the concept of Shor as a category of Mazin. That's what we're asking. 
The Tanarabon. The opening gambit over here that the Torah has when it comes to Shor is Ki Shor et Ish, O Isha. So now we have a Shor that's attacking a man or a woman, and so on and so forth. How does it attack the man and the woman? Ki Now it's not clear what Ki means. I mean, Ki just means sort of um, penetrating, you know, getting into. But I mean, you can do it in a lot of ways, can't you? Well, the reason we say Karen is because the word Nigicha is done with a Karen. And where do we see that? Unbelievably, we see it even in artificial Karen. We will use that word, because we find was a false prophet, and he was predicting the fall of Aram, so he makes a set of Karne Barzel, so he's got these, these uh, horns that he puts on his own head, and he says, very dramatic, thus says the Lord, with this, metaphorically, you will destroy the enemies of Aram, which is all a bunch of garbage, but anyway. So, Omer, and furthermore, if you look at the Chomish, it says, Bechor Shoro Hadarlo, Karnav, Aha, there you go. So, in other words, what it's telling me is, is that if you have the Karanot, which it says here, Karnei Karnav, what do you do with those Karnav? Note that word. So negicha means using a horn. Tiyigachshor ish is referring to using the horns. And that's why we use the word karen. Yeah, why do we need those two psukim? I don't understand. You already proved your point. Maiva Omer. What's the point of that second? Ah, because you see. I mean, you know the rule. We can't really derive out of the use in the Navi, or the use in Ketuvim, and this comes from Allah in this passage, you can't really use that to prove the meaning of a passage of the Torah. So therefore, I bring you from the actual Torah. Toshma b'chor shoro hadarlo. What are you talking about? I'm melef, we're not learning anything out. We're just looking for the way in which language is used. So ideally, we'll be almo. We're just coming to uncover the meaning of a word. You can't tell me I can't look to some other place in Tanakh to find the meaning of a word. This is not one of the official words. Am I making a Zereshavra or something? I'm just telling you how this word is used. That's what we're just trying to learn out. Okay, okay, change my mind. That's not the reason. The reason is this. That You'll notice the first thing, the most striking thing about Karen, doesn't appear anywhere else, is that in Karen, you have to first have a history of damage, before the rule kicks in, that you pay full damages. That's absolutely unique. If there's no history of damage, then the owner can say, look, I mean, this has been a rather docile animal. I never thought that it was going to attempt to actually go out and cause damage. So because of that, you only pay half of the damage, first three times. Now, if a shard does something weird, so you're saying, Sitkiyah ben Kanana makes himself these artificial Note. Okay, I understand. If a shark goes into a store, buys one of these pears, puts it in his mouth, and then goes ahead and gets somebody with him, yeah, that is sort of weird. you got to admit that's sort of weird. Obviously, what this means is, if the shark causes damages through the use of a tool, so then, indeed, that's not the standard way in which an animal acts. It doesn't usually use tools. But if it uses a tool, then enochinami, the owner, can say, I mean, come on, when was the last time? You sure, sure, shoot a gun. So obviously, I don't have to watch out for my sure grabbing my gun. 
So therefore, I should be potter. Okay, so there you'd say you need to have a history of damage. But maybe to use your natural horns, I mean, heck, they're there for a reason. Any red-blooded shark is going to be feeling, you know, I've got to use those things. So maybe over there you'd be high of right off the bat to pay complete damages. No. So I would have thought that the difference between a tam and a muad, which doesn't appear by human beings, it appears by shark, is only a tulushah. But if it was attached to the shark's head, and you mean it really, it's karen, would be potter. Toshma, therefore, I need the posik to teach me, b'chor shoro hadarlo, v'karne re'im kanav. Of course, on the other hand, I don't want to come right off and tell you that one, because look, then you'd say, okay, but if a shark does something weird, like using a tool, maybe I'm potter completely. No, 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 that's also called gigach, right? So now I know both elements. Standard negicha, negicha through tools. But the point is, the name of the game is Karen. And we're constantly using the Karen as the meaning for negicha, and that's because negicha is done with a Karen. Okay, so now what would a tolda of Karen be? Now here we're going to say something which we're going to question later. A tolda to Karen would be pushing somebody with your body. Negifa. Nishicha, biting someone. Later on the Gemara say biting someone. I thought that's the tooth. You said shame. No, that's actually the horn. Maybe done with a tooth, but it's very horny. Why that's true, we'll see. Rivitsa, lying over something and breaking it, damaging it. Lying something, that's a Karen. Bita, kicking, kicking. But that's the foot. Now, obviously, this is what we want you to be thinking, right? No, 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 no. A foot is actually a horn. So again, you see that we're getting away from the simplistic reading by just socking it to you, and then we're forcing you to say, wait, 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 well, what just happened? which we're going to do. But in any event, all of these things are similar to the Karen in that the animal goes out to damage, right? What's one? Pushing with your body. Yeah. So, I, wait a minute. Then you're telling me we're calling the Karen the Av. Why? I mean, I assume it's because that's the given case in the Torah. Because it says, Ki'igach, Shor, Well, I got news for you. The Gifanamiktiv. It also uses the word v'chiyigaf shor ish et shor re'eu. That's a kiyigaf. It's kiyigaf. So then yigaf could also be the name. Just as good as kiyigaf. In other words, you could use the word karen or you could use the word the goof of the shor. So why are you calling it the karen specifically? So the negifa namiktiv, kiyigaf. Oh, no, no, no. You're making a mistake. The negifa that it says there is actually being done with a horn. And it's really negifa. Who says? <laughs> where do you get that from? Uh-huh. Well, look in the Pasek and you see exactly where you get that from. Because after Teski, Gof it says that if, if you already had a history of Nigicha, Nigicha, I thought we're talking about Nigifa. <laughs> so, in other words, obviously, we're referring to that Nigicha with the word Nigifa. Now, heck, that's problematic because remember that negicha implies penetration and negifa implies rubbing against without penetrating. Right? Any part of the body. So now, if that would mean that if you're saying here the word negifa, which I took to mean you just pushed him and damaged that shore, it actually means that you penetrated that shore with your karen. Because otherwise, why would it say, Odo Dakishor Nagahu? It would have to say, Odo Dakishor Nagahu. 
no gefu. And indeed, that's how we know that. The Tanya, as it points out in the Brighter, the Posik begins discussing a case. It opens, Patach, it opens with the case of Negifa. Because it says, Ki yigof shor ishet shor But then it goes on to be talking, as a matter of course, Siyem b'negicha. But not even telling me that you just changed gears in the middle of the Posik. Now you're talking about, Oh no, Daki shor nagachu. How did that happen? It's to tell you that indeed, that in this case, the negifa was done through penetration of the Karen. So then, what, what is that supposed to mean? So the Maishan Gabi Adam, Tiftiv This is so brilliant. This is so wonderful. What would you rather be doing? Skiing? Sailing? My gosh! This is truly exciting. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's an idea. Oh, whether they have this level of sophistication or yeah, yeah, not, not that I know of. You mean like would Hammurabi go yeah, through yeah, the yeah. same level of Av and all that and so on? There's certainly no, there's no record of anything like that. No, this is bad. I mean, seeing, seeing something like this from 2,000 years ago that, you know, 10-year-olds were studying, it's just, uh, it's absolutely awesome. You know, you have a hard time getting, it's like I told you, the opening class in Harvard Law, you know, where the professor gets up and says, okay, just one thing, to all you Yeshiva Bakram over here, Let's just remember, you leave me alone and I leave you alone. <laughs> because, you know, there's no way. It's not, not up to standards. Okay, so in any event, what is this coming to tell me? Calling a negifa a negifa when it's really a negicha. So we have two really sets of discussions. One is the attack of a shor against a human being. There it says, ki shor et ish. The attack of a shor at another shor in the same exact way. Using a horn is called kiyigof, shor, a shorayeu. So how do you explain that? So it's to teach me something very important. Maishna gabe adam, why is it by humans it uses the word kiyigof? Maishna gabe behemoth, that it uses such a gentler lushan, a kinder, gentler kind of murder, which is kiyigof, to teach me that adam de itle mazlak, says kiyigof. Which is extremely important legally. It's telling me that in order to achieve the murder of a human, you've got to put in more effort. Because the human has mazel. What does that mean, says Rashi? He's got to protect himself. He's got brains. So therefore, since all of the zikin is a very delicate and subtle balance between the duties of an owner of something that can cause damage and the duties of a citizen to prevent that damage being caused, because otherwise you end up with a contentious society like in the United States in which things fall apart. You can no longer sell a hot cup of coffee because you're going to get sued for selling a hot cup of coffee. You can't be a doctor trying to cure somebody because you end up in court for the rest of your life, and so on and so forth. That is not the way to construct a society. So therefore, you need to reach the kind of balance in which you have a certain amount of responsibility is on the shomer of his mazik, and a certain amount of responsibility is on the guy who maybe caused the damage. And you can't go in and claim to McDonald's, I didn't know coffee was hot. I mean, after all. So because of that, 
we need to know that there's a tremendous difference between an attack on a human and an attack on an animal. So you'll say, okay, but the bottom line is you're responsible for both. No. <laughs> Where is there a difference? The difference is in the history. That's the difference. Suppose you've established a history in which a shore has now attacked and killed three different species of animals. The reason I say three different species is because we always apply Occam's razor. In other words, let's say he always attacks passing camels. The explanation of that, the more elegant explanation, is not that he hates animals. He hates camels. So therefore, he's only going to be a muad for camels, and the owner's got to be careful when there are camels in the area. But suppose he attacks at one point, he attacks a sheep, and another time he attacks a camel, and another time he attacks a donkey. So then he's a muad for any kind of animals. Again, the elegant explanation is not that he doesn't like ABC, but he doesn't like any of the above, which are all part of the class called animals. How about if he then kills a human? Oh, no, 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 no. For a human, he's not considered to be a muad because a human is kiyigach, and he's only kiyigos. So he's never really put in the effort that it would take to kill a human. We have no history of that. On the other hand, suppose he's established himself as being a murderer of humans. Well, only humans. I mean, maybe he only hates humans. That's understandable. I mean, you know. But that doesn't mean, ah, but suppose he has murdered human camel and donkey. Then again, we've expanded our idea, right? What is the category? He has other living organisms. And included in that is his ability to murder humans. Now the history applies to humans as well. So because of that, you've got to know that it's a different type. It's still included under the general set of Karen, but it's a different type of Karen. It's a kinder, gentler Karen. And this is a really serious Karen. But they're both penetrating, even though I use the word nigifa. Okay, so let's just see that inside. So, kiyigov, adam de'itle mazla k'tiv kiyigach. By the way, normally, and Rashi actually brings this here as well, the name mazla does not, does not apply to the idea of taking care of yourself. That's not called mazla. Usually when we talk about adam de'itle mazla, it would be in a context like this. We know, let us say, that a particular type of lung lesion is considered to be a trefa. Okay? Would it be a trefa for human? Nafkamina would be... If you shoot that guy, have you already killed a guy that's basically he's got a death sentence or not? Now, over there we say that since Adam Itle Mazel, not in the sense he can watch himself, but in the sense that it is actually more difficult to kill a more complex organism, even though you think that they're more vulnerable, there is a tendency to regenerate, be taken care of, more so than we find with a dog and a cat. Rashi does not, he says, some say that's the trap here. But I suggest that the meaning over here is because again, since we're talking about Nazikin, in the context of Nazikin, it's more important for us to define that issue, the balance between my ability to care for myself and your need to care for me, than only the question of whether it would be harder or easier to get rid of you. But obviously, I mean, it's supportive of the other approach as well. You need to put more into it. Okay, so therefore, says the Gemara, so, and by the way, it lets us know an additional piece of information, namely, having established yourself three times now as a mu'ad with that history for killing humans, then that would include killing animals, but having established yourself as a shore that kills animals three times, okay, then you said biting, biting, how do you say biting is done with a horn, biting is done with a tooth? Isn't that a told of shame? And here we get away from our simplistic initial view. 
explains the one, obviously not. Shame, the definitive quality of a shame, is that yesh hana'ala hazikah. It's doing something for its own enjoyment and it's not focused on causing you damage. And it's motivated to do this, yes, but motivated in an internal fashion in which you are not the object. The damage causes an accident. Now, obviously, no shore enjoys biting through your neck. That's not delicious. It's fun, but for a different reason. That's Karen. And that's exactly the point. So there, you have an ala hezekah. It's enjoying what it's doing, and that causes the hezek. But over here, it wants to be basic, but it's not ana'ala hezekah. Revitsa. Okay, the next case was lying over something, kicking something. What? You kick something with your foot. It does it told her to regal, isn't it? And again, it forces us to recognize low. Regal does not mean things done with feet. Regal means things that are hezekah matsui. They are coincidental results of typical life issues without any particular motivation, I walk around. When I walk around, if I step on something, I break it. But I'm not motivated to break, and I wouldn't particularly walk in this direction. It's just, it happens to be there. Now, that's not the case over here. If I'm kicking you, I want to kick you. There's a big difference then. So if I want to kick you, I need to establish that I'm a muad before I'm going to be hired in as a chalai, because when my animal doesn't generally walk around kicking. I didn't think I needed to watch for that. I had it tied up, so I wouldn't wander away. But, I mean, you walked right by it, I thought that was perfectly safe. Now, all of a sudden it kicks. I mean, it's not fair to make me pay the whole thing. I mean, you can also think, maybe this animal will go crazy. I mean, yeah, maybe. You took the risk, I took the risk. Therefore, I'll only pay chatzin as it. if I left it untied and went walking around and stepped right over your tape recorder, I mean, then, obviously, it depends where the tape recorder was. If you should have left it, then we get into the same question, which we'll talk about later on. But there, I can certainly perceive that my animal's going to end up accidentally walking over your tape recorder without even paying any attention to your tape recorder. So there, what's the deal? Now we understand all of them. Okay, But if that's what shore means, the Karen or the Shane or the regal, so then that couldn't be what Rav Papa was talking about when he said there's some cases where Navin told is Lav Kayotzeban. There's absolutely no sense of the derivative in any of these cases, right? I mean, why in the world would we possibly think that the Aventolda of the three that we've explored so far, I mean, that could only mean that they're the same. I mean, Toldotayim Lavka Yotzevim, Domarav Papa, hey, I mean, what was he talking about? Ile Mahani? Could he have been speaking about one of these three? Absolutely not. It's ridiculous. I mean, Maishna Karen, I mean, look, Karen is defined as, the way you just defined it, it's something that goes out in order to achieve damage. It's your property, in terms of the fact that you own it, and you are responsible for watching it. Well, it's true of all of these. In what way would we think that the tolda would be different than the Av? So obviously, tolda the Karen to Karen. Okay, so let's let the Karen. I mean, that's ridiculous. The Karen is the same no matter what you do it with. All the same thing. Okay, maybe what Rav Papa was referring to, the Chikom Rav Papa, a Shane Varega. Maybe he was talking about Shane Varega. Gee, hmm, well, we better explore Shane Varega now. So far, we've only explored Karen. We went to see where it's written in the Torah and so on and so forth. But it didn't help us to answer our problem, which 
wasn't our real problem, but okay, we're pretending that's our problem. What could Rif Papa have meant? Hmm. So it's not Karen, so maybe it's Shane Varego. Okay, let's start looking at the Shane Varego. Shane Varego, Hechak TV. Where in the world does the Torah talk about a Shane or a Rego? That we shall see tomorrow in our next exciting episode of Four Bizikim. <laughs> Gabe <laughs> Now that's one type. Gabi Tumot, on the other hand, son, Avot Tumot, Hasher, it's a Shikwat Zera, Tame Mate, Tododayem, over there, it's certainly Lafkayotzebem, because Iloav Metame on a Vekalim, Vilo Todot, Oklun Mashki Metame on a Vekalim, Lo Metame. What's the deal with an Av and Tolda of Nezikin? Achamai. Omer of Papa, Things are not so simple. Yeshvem kayotzebem, yeshvem lav kayotzebem. Well, let's start looking. Tana Rabbana. Shlosha avod dem rubi shara keren hashen varego keren minolan. The Tana Rabbana gigach. Eni gikala bekeren shenam avayasot zikiyab ben kenana karnei barzel vayomer ko amar hashem beela tenagach et aram vayomer bechor shero adarlo vekarni reim karnav behema mimi nagach. What's the point of the vayomer? Because v'chitim edivrei Torah medivrei Kabbalah lo yafinan tashma bechoshro hadarlo. What do you mean melaf? Hi melaf. Gilu nil to be amu the negicha bekaren. True. Okay. Alamad the temeki polygraph wanna be tam lemuad hani mitu bitlusha alva bemechuberet emekulamoedati tashma bechoshro hadarlo vekarni reim karnav. All right. So now let's see whether this fits the bill. Told the karen mahi negifa neshicha revitza biita. So Mashan Nagikha the Kari Av Dikhtiv Kiigah, Nigifa Namitiv Kiigov, yeah, but Hai Nagifa is really Nagicha. The Tanya Patakpa Nagifa, Vesiyem Binigha. Lomalakha Zoi Nagifa, Zoi Nagicha. So then Maishna Gabi Adam Dikhtiv Kiigah, or Maishra Gabi Ma Dikhtiv Kiigov, to teach you that Adam the Eat Lay Mazla Kitiv Kiigah, Bema the let Lay Mazla Kitiv Kiigov, Um Miltaga Murkeka Mashman. Do muad la adam avi muad la beima muad la beima lo avi muad la adam nishicha 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 told the sheni lo sheni shana alazeka hay ena na alazeka revitza biitaz told her regularly lo regularzeka matzui hani ena zeka matzui ella told her to him lafke yotzebam damer papa hey I can't be going on these examples of Karen mehilim hani maishna Karen the kavanat ola zik mamot chash mirotolecha. Ella told her to Karen, Karen, the chikomer of Papa, perhaps, is Shane Varega. 